All right, it is the off season, but Bear Tycoon, Hot Take Nate, we're back with a bonus Montana Mint Sports podcast. What's up, Bear Tycoon? How's your off season been treating you so far? Dude, real good. Off season has been great. The holiday season was great. Uh, Seton Hall basketball is doing great. Everything is looking up in the world of Bear Tycoon. What's been going on with you? Same, had some great, some great holidays. I got to see my cats, you know, go to the uh, semifinals. We won't talk about what happened there. Uh, but everything else has been great. I cannot complain. I, uh, I do miss you. I miss football a little bit. Uh, I, can't, I miss you too. I can't uh, deny that, that it's been a little bit lonely on uh, Tuesday nights around here, not recording our podcast. So already looking forward to August, Montana State opening up with Utah down in Salt Lake City. I have it circled on my calendar, and uh, it couldn't get here soon enough. Hell yeah, man. I'm fired up for next football season already, and it's like a long ways away. I know. I told my but... girlfriend, I was like, oh, <laughs> I was already going through the calendar. I was like, oh, what are we doing this weekend in uh, October? She's like, I don't know. That's seven months away. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I need to know. I want to know if we're going to be able to watch this game on Root Sports. Yeah, put it down. Are we going to Wild Probably Wings? Where not are we able, going? Probably not able to stream it anywhere. No. Nope. Um. So we got. Uh. We're not going to obviously being it's February. Uh. And you haven't heard from us in a while. We're not doing episodes every week, but we are going to be coming in, uh, a couple times throughout the off season. Uh. And with interviews and maybe some other stuff, we, neither of us really pay attention to uh, the basketball the basketball teams. You can listen to the three-hour pod that the Grizz fan, <laughs> the Grizz fan guys just uh, dropped and on Monday. there's not much Monday. to talk about Montana State basketball because, like it has been basically my whole life, disappointing. Terrible. Comically bad. I do like Danny Sprinkle. Oh, my God. Um, it's not his team it, yet. It's not his guys yet. That's all I know. That's all, that's my that's my talking Bobcats basketball. Is they're not his guys yet. They're still Fish's guys. Yeah, great, great. That's my great insight, man. There, that's Nate. my insight. Um, Grizz fan pod guys dropped a three hour pod. They had Coulter Nuanez on from uh, Skyline Sports. Went over the men's basketball season, some of the the women's basketball season, and then uh, football. So check that out if you have three hours for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> but we're here for a shorter pod, a more bite sized pod uh, today. Uh, joined by quarterback Dalton Sneed, Grizz quarterback Dalton Sneed. A great Sneed. interview and with Dalton Sneed. Great interview. Really an awesome guy. Um, and we get we get into everything. He talks about how he got to the Grizz, how he uh, competed for the job against Gresh Jensen for the starting job. Going in, to school in, in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it was it was an incredible, a couple of just incredible stories that at He's least Nate and I had not yeah, and as so. a and even if you're a cat fan and you're listening to this, listen to that interview. You, you he'll win you over just um, with his honesty and just you know how down to earth that guy was. You know he has uh, football on the mind right now. He wants to you know make a team. We won't spoil too much of the interview, but you'll be rooting for this guy after you listen to that interview. Absolutely. So should we just toss it to the interview now and Let's then maybe talk it. to you guys in a month a or two, or maybe even a week? What if we come up with another good interview? Great, great call. Well, we're, we'll, we'll see us in the future. We reserve the right to come back sooner than later, I guess. Yeah. Okay, we're going to send like it over that. the interview now because we obviously have, are not in practice right now. We're not in full season form with our banter, so we are just going to send it over the interview with former Grizz quarterback Dalton Sneed. We now welcome on former starting quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies and saying former 
really hurts. It's really painful to say, but former starter, starting quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies, Dalton Sneed. Dalton, thanks for joining us. And I want to start with the here and now. XFL, CFL, NFL, or something else, what is next for you in your football career? Well, I, I wish I had a definite answer for you, um, but I don't. I'm actually um, back home in Arizona and training for Pro Day. It's coming up here April 6th, and um, whatever my future holds, I don't know. I just hope it's still football and that I'll get the opportunity to play elsewhere, wherever that may be, whatever league that may be in. I just love football, love playing, and just want to play as long as I can. Answer this question. I'm kind of a dumb fan. I, I don't really know how how do you even go about exploring your options in professional football? If teams aren't coming to you actively, how do you get in front of them? That's a great question that I don't, again, I don't have a, a, a great <laughs> answer for. Um, you know, I, I recently, uh, in the last three weeks or so, signed with an agent, and pretty much the info that I've gathered from him and, and my coaches who have had players that have gone through these same steps and been in my shoes um, is just put your head down and work uh, for these next two months because y- your last opportunity to shine is pro day. You want to show them the best of Dalton Sneed, so to speak, um, and then just hope that you can get a phone call, you can get a tryout, and kind of the, the fate lies in your hands of, of performing and showing them what you got and showing them what they need you on their team. Um so that's kind of the attitude I'm taking. I, I just I'm gonna train down here as hard as I can, give it everything I got, and hopefully at the end of the day I'll uh, get an opportunity to to show a team what I got and why I should be on their team. Now, if the NFL is something that uh, doesn't work out, we definitely hope it it does work out for you. Uh, is CFL something that you would be interested in? There's been a lot of big sky quarterbacks that have gotten up to the CFL. You know, Travis Lulay from Montana State, Vernon Adams, Dakota Prukop. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, there's been a lot of talent that's come from the Big Sky Conference, gone up to CFL. Uh, is that something you kind of explore as an option if it if it's, keeps you playing football that you would go north of the border and, and uh, you know join a team up there if the opportunity uh, presented itself? Absolutely. You know, I just I want to play as long as I can, as long as my body and health will allow it. So, again, whatever whatever opportunity presents itself, I'm in, I'm – I'm fully into it and 100% committed. Awesome. What does a pro day even look like? If you like, walk us through what your pro day on April 6th, from beginning to end, what what this kind of looks like. You know, it's it's kind of laid out um, from my understanding exactly like the NFL Combine. You're going to do all the the tests that they want you to. I mean, I mean, broad jump, vertical, bench test, 40 yard dash, um, and any all those. Um, and then a field workout. So in my case, it would be throwing and, and making those um, NFL throws that maybe I haven't necessarily shown on film or that we haven't ran, um, stuff like that. So it's pretty straightforward, pretty cut and dry, just run through tests. And then for me, show them the arm talent and footwork and, and stuff like that. Damn, dude. Well, be sure they have the game tape from that Southeast Louisiana game where you put up 459 in the air uh, in the playoffs. Um, 
So this season, I mean, this is obviously one of the best Grizz seasons uh, over the past decade. It was so much fun to watch. Um, we'll get to Cat Grizz. We'll get to the playoffs here in a second. But I just want to talk about kind of mid-season. So at one point, it's mid-October. The Grizz are 5-1. and one. Your only loss coming at Oregon, FBS Oregon. And you're going into a bye week. The team's just absolutely rolling. You now have two weeks off. How does your schedule change? Like, does your schedule change at all um, when you approach a bye week coming on the with the success that you had? You know, I I feel like it can go different for both ways, but I think with having a bye week uh, right in the middle of the season, it, it's either a great thing or a bad thing because you look at it from a great way as okay, my guys are going to get healthy. Um, we all I don't want to say needed that week off, but it was it was definitely a a great point in the season to have a bye week so we could all get recuperated and refreshed. And um, I don't want to say get our mind completely off football, but just kind of take a step back and kind of gather ourselves and then really dive into the second half of the season. Um, But then on, on the downfall uh, part of that is, you know, we were rolling. Um, Everything was clicking. And when you do have a week off like that, sometimes it can affect you negatively. Um, And that's kind of the, the double-edged sword there with, with having a bye week right there in the middle of the season. And when you have that type of success going into a bye week, does someone like Coach Houck even let you enjoy the moment at all, or is he hammering you guys to, to keep going? I would say both. Um, he wants us to understand, hey, man, we've worked to get here, but we didn't work to only come this far. Um, all starting in January of, of 2019, and when we start our winter conditioning, I mean, we trained for eight months just to get to that point. Now that we're in the season, we're, we're doing, we're where we want to be at this point in the season, but we got to keep working. And then on the flip side, it's, you know, don't go out and be <laughs> reckless, I guess, so to speak. Take care of your body. Let the bye week be a positive for you, not a negative. Um, but definitely drilling in us to understand that we need to continue. This isn't where we want to end. This is where we want to continue to, to build on. So starting out the season, so I, we somehow, the Big Sky Conference, uh, somehow gives us preseason votes uh, to, 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 to rank the conference as we see it in the preseason. We have no credentials. We don't know why they even put us on their email list, but they somehow do it. And so we, we take advantage of that and get to put our rankings out there. And someone on this interview uh, maybe had ranked the Grizz uh, seventh or eighth in the conference preseason. I'm not going to say who that was. But when you guys went into the season, obviously there was there – was, there's some expectations, but nobody thought the rebuild was maybe going to go this fast or that you guys were going to get out of the gates like that. What was your guys's mental, like your attitude going into the season, knowing that people didn't know if you guys were going to get back to that, that Grizz team of old so quickly. And how did you guys prepare for trying to battle the expectations in Missoula? To be honest with you, I think it was more so ignoring them, um, blocking out all of the the outside noise. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, no disrespect to any of the voters or people who do the rankings or even when they do a coach's poll, but we make a point for us as a team to, Hey, you know, but it's the only opinions or, um, you know, stuff that people say, the only things that we care about are the people inside of our walls and our teammates. And we really rallied around that. And of course it's in the back of your mind when you know people are out there ranking you, not where you want to be or they don't give you the credit you think you deserve. Um, 
That was me, by the way. I, I did that. That was that was my bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Nate's a dumbass, but last year I let uh, Reese Phillips fill out my bracket for 2018 season, uh, and he put the Grizz number one and the Bobcats number 13. So can't be take these uh, polls too seriously going into the going into the year. <laughs> um, so all right, so we just talked uh, talked about the bye week. Obviously, you know, you were kind of talking about it can go two different ways. It went one way for the Grizz following the bye week. You went down to Sacramento state. And it was a really tough game. Hornets dominated both sides of the ball. That game, you got banged up uh, at the end of the third quarter um, and happened to, you'd have to sit out a couple of games after that. Um, but what does, so when you're rolling so early on in the season, then you have that a game where it just knocks you back to reality. What does that do to team morale? Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, and I think that directly stems from the coaching staff and how they've they've coached you and how to pre, or how to approach it mentally. Um, and from Coach Al, probably the best coach I've ever had, uh, he presented it in a way of, "Hey, you're going to handle adversity. You're going to hit adversity, um, but you got to bounce back. You know that's one game in the season. Can't let it dictate how you're going to turn out the rest of the way." So I think we as a team. Um, it was kind of a, a gut punch and we took it for what it was worth and, and it humbled us and we got back to work and went on to the next game. When you went down with the, with the injury, a thought crossed my mind that maybe you were faking it. So you didn't have to uh, deal with coach Houck in the room immediately after the game, but that was obviously not the case. Oh, never, never. <laughs> um, so I think Sac State's an interesting team to focus on, right? They were bad for so long, historically bad in the Big Sky Conference, but great season this year under uh, Coach Troy Taylor. This is, the success doesn't seem to be kind of a flash in the pan. Like they seem to be a solid team. The same thing happened with UC Davis last year. Cal Poly coming into the 2020 season, just hired a new coach, Bo Baldwin, former Eastern Washington coach. These California schools are seemingly getting serious about their football programs. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Montana schools in the Big Sky? I think it's a good thing. I think that the more competitive you make the Big Sky, um, which I I believe is the best conference in the FCS uh, division, but um, I think it's a good thing. I think the more competitive teams you have, the the better athletes you have it's it only makes the big sky conference and and teams around it as a whole better in the long run and when you know grizz the grizz the cats you guys in montana we have some of the best facilities when you're playing against guys and talking with guys from northern colorado or portland state and they see um's facilities it must just be so demoralizing do do they ever say anything to you or do you guys ever like talk about this team to team um I don't think as far as facilities-wise, but I know that every team I've played against expresses how grateful they are when they get to come play at Montana. Because like I said in, in the beginning of this, our stadium and our fan base and just the community as a whole, how greatly it surrounds our football program, everybody loves that. I mean, for me even, growing up as a kid, and this goes for just about every kid, you want to play in those stadiums that are sold out and you can't hear a thing. That's, those are the games you live for, you know? Um, so every player that I've ever talked to, they, they love when they get to come to Montana and play the Grizzlies. And 
with that, like, so even so, you have the 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 great atmosphere in in Missoula, the great atmosphere in Bozeman, um, but also from a talent level, you know, Montana State, Montana seem to be pretty competitive with uh, you know the lower tier FBS schools. And if you look at just the Sagarin ratings from this year, which Nate and I treat as gospel. Um, MSU ranked number 90 out of all the FBS FCS teams. UM finished the year at 99. Uh, there's six teams in the Mountain West Conference that are either right at that level or or below that level. I mean, you've played in both conferences. Can like what is the what is the difference, kind of talent wise, player talent wise, uh, between between the programs you played for uh, when you were with the Grizz and when you were with UNLV? You know, I think I think it differs for every program. But as far as when I played against, say, Fresno State and Hawaii and those FBS schools in Mountain West, it there's really not a big talent difference. Um, I think the biggest difference maybe is the size. Guys are a little bit bigger, um, and rightly so. I think that, at least from my perspective, that those bigger guys that, you know, pass the eye test are the ones that are are going to get recruited to those bigger schools. I mean, you've got linemen that are usually across the board bigger. Um, but, yeah, like I was saying, as, as far as talent-wise, there's really not a big difference. Okay. Well, I was just kind of going with kind of with that journey that you went on. You know, you went to UNLV, then JUCO, and then uh, to Montana. But when you were getting recruited out of high school, were you looking at all at the FCS or was your was your main goal to go FBS? And that was, you know, I, I guess what other offers did you have uh, in the FBS and were you recruited at all to the FCS level? No, I actually my my only offer um, was from UNLV and that was from okay. Coach Rosenbaugh and Coach Houck, who were actually at UNLV at the time. Um, and. I know from freshman year of high school when I started football, that was that was my only dream. I wanted the Division One offer. I wanted the big stadium to play in, the the seventy thousand fans or whatever. That that was kind of the dream. Um, so that's kind of what I aspired for. And as soon as I got that UNLV offer, I think a, a week or two later, I ended up committing because I didn't want that that opportunity to slip. That is everything that you know I had ever dreamed for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't really being recruited heavily by the schools. I mean, I'd get mail, but for what that's worth, looking back, hindsight, I really don't think there's that big of a deal because I think they send it to a lot of athletes just to bring interest into their program. Um, but as far as coaches reaching out and really trying to build a relationship for, with you, it was it was UNLV from the jump, and not only UNLV, but Coach Houck and Coach, Coach Rosie. And I've always wondered, whenever I go to Vegas, I think everybody has this in their mind, like you go to Vegas for two days and you want to get out of there because you are you feel so horrible after those two days of staying up until like five in the morning. I've always wondered, what is it like going to school in Las Vegas? And I know That's when you get there, question. you're only 18 or 19, but like, what is it like going to school in Vegas? It's, it's a lot different than Montana. I'll start with that. <laughs> but, uh, it, I don't want to say it's, it's annoying, um, because it's cool at first. I mean, the, the practice facilities and stuff, we would practice at night and you look over and it's the strip. It's, it's, a, it's a really cool atmosphere to be around, but it gets old real quick. Just like you were saying, I mean, when you vacation there with, with your buddies or whoever you go with, 
you're there for 48 hours and you're like, all right, let's get out of here. Well, in my case, I was living in an apartment with one of our other players a mile and a half from the strip. So <laughs> it really got old real quick. Um, there just wasn't a good, as far as, as UNLV goes, it just wasn't as much of a, a football program. And I think it's, it's not due to the university or the football pro- program at all. It's due to the city just overshadowing it. I mean, when you think yeah. Vegas, you could go ask 100 people and all 100 of them are going to say, well, yeah, the strip, gambling, the casinos. Not one of them is going to say UNLV football, you know. So I think it was just mm-hmm. so overshadowed, and that's kind of the, the main focal point of why UNLV football is kind of on the, the back burner of the city of Las Vegas, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and when you were playing there, isn't a- it's a, it's kind of like it is. It's such a destination city. Uh, you know, when other teams came to play you guys at home in Las Vegas, were you seeing a lot of, uh, you know, mixed crowds with their fans coming down and treating that as like a getaway Vegas weekend and get to see some football? Well, to put it this way, we played my redshirt year, so it would have been the 2015 season. We played UCLA at home, and our stadiums or the stadium at UNLV seated I want to say around 30,000 maybe 33,000 and it was probably 25,000 percent blue from UCLA (laughs) fans oh okay yeah so I think absolutely uh fans are obviously going to travel there because they they might have uh relatives on the team or they're big supporters of the team but it's definitely in the back of their mind it's 50 percent hey we we get to go to Vegas and watch our team play Okay. okay. Do you think the the Raiders are going to have kind of that same problem when when they move there next season? I don't know. That's that's a great question. I think I think in the stadium, my my get my best guess would be it's going to be fifty percent of Raider faithful people who are coming to actually watch the game, and fifty percent are are saying, "Hey, let's go to Vegas. We get to watch a, a football game in this." billion dollar stadium as well as get to spend a day in vegas you know so i think it's it's definitely still going to be a, a a big destination and i think that they're especially with the stadium they're building um that they're going to sell out just because of it being vegas oh that stadium it looks like the death star it's crazy yeah will unlv play in that stadium or is that raiders only it, it's going to be unlv as well i know that um they might have to play a few games out of sam boyd stadium which in itself is was it was a kind of a, a crappy part about playing there um, is that the stadium is is 20 minutes off of campus, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and no student is going to say, "Hey, let's go drive 20 minutes to a game." You know, our student section was kind of non-existent there. There is it, was, it mm-hmm. wasn't convenient for people to come to games, and I think that that's why. UNLV football doesn't have a huge attendance or fan base because of that. But now that I think that it's in Raider Stadium, I definitely think that Ugh. with UNLV playing there, they're going to have a bigger fan base just with the stadium as a whole. Um, but, yeah, sorry to answer your question. Um, UNLV, I think, will start playing there probably half their games next year and then probably 100% of them the year after. I think it just conflicts a little bit with Raider's schedule. That's wild. I <laughs> mean, that will be – one of the craziest stadiums in all of college football from a, you know, from a uh, just absolute facility standpoint. Um, oh, there's yeah. There's been a lot of, a lot of talk about UNLV. Um, so you went to UNLV 
then transferred to junior college, came to University of Montana. How did you, how did Montana even get on your radar? And, and when you were at JUCO, like, were other schools contacting you? Um, like, just kind of walk, walk us through how this great relationship with the Grizz even started. Well, I think it, it, it was definitely um, Coach Rosenbar, offensive coordinator. He, when he left UNLV, he went and he was the head coach at Adams State. Um, and then Coach Houck was, I think, the special teams coordinator and the, the assistant head coach at San Diego State. Um, but Coach Rosie always stayed in contact with me. He followed me when I was at UNLV, and he would hit me up on Twitter, text me and say, hey, saw your game, like, great job, keep it up. Just he was, a, he was a, always encouraging, always reaching out. And then when I went to JUCO, he did the same thing, kind of was always just every two or three weeks, hey, just checking in on you, saw you're doing good, so to speak. Um, but as unfortunate it was for me going to the JUCO uh, level, I was, I was hoping to shine at the JUCO level to where, in my mind, I'm thinking I want to get back to the FBS level. I want to get – a power five offer and, and go prove to people that I've got what it takes to play. I, I, I can, I can do this. Um, and starting towards the, the back half of the season at my Juco, that, that dream started to dwindle a little bit because I wasn't getting recruited as much as I, I really wanted to. Um, and the university of Kansas came to one of our games and I actually had a great game. I threw for, I think 300 yards and three touchdowns against Hutch or Hutchinson, who was a top 10 team at that time. And I thought, Hey, this is great. I think they're going to offer. And they didn't. And then I finally got a, a coastal Carolina offer. And then after the season ended, or it was the, it was the first play of our last game. Uh, I ended up falling on my shoulder and breaking my collarbone. Uh, and then they were kind of non-existent. So I was, kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. It was kind of seeing all of my dreams kind of shatter at that point. I, I, I was back in Arizona and I had my surgery and I'm sitting on the couch like, man, am I going to play again? Am I going to get an opportunity to play anywhere? And then lo and behold, a day later, Coach Rosie and Coach Houck get hired at Montana and they say, hey, we want you. And it was like, wow. Because, I mean, it really came full circle. They were the first uh, coaching staff to offer me out of high school, and then they're the the coaching staff that believed in me through the whole way, and now they want me to come play for them in Montana. It was almost a, a dream come true, and it was actually weird. I was actually getting recruited by Portland State as well, um, and they had offered oh me, and God. I was actually on a visit. <laughs> yeah, I was on a visit there. I was in Portland, um, and it was kind of I was with my mom and dad, and we were walking around the city. It was kind of like an hour downtime on my my official visit. And I was, it was kind of like, Hey, I think this is, I think this is it. I think I'm going to commit. And that's when coach Houck had called me and I was kind of blindsided by it. Yeah. So, and then the wheels kind of all started spinning and um, we went to dinner that night and the Portland state coach had the uh, letter of intent for me to sign. And I just, Something in my mind told me, hey, I, I need to kind of think on this a little bit. And I came home and I uh, talked to Coach Alec Moore, and he said, hey, do me a favor and go look up the 2009 semifinal game against Appalachian State. So I Googled it, and he said, and then called me back. So I Google it, I watch it, and I'm like, that's where I want to play. And 
That's so awesome. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, it worked. But what was even crazier is that Portland State works on like a quarterly system. So they started school like January 8th. And the dead period for taking official visits had just ended. So it, it was like, or it just started, I mean. So it was like December 21st. And so I had to either decide to go to Portland State and enroll and start school January 6th or not take a visit to Montana. Never, I'd never been to the state of Montana and commit to them. So I ended up committing to Montana. And the first time I was ever in Montana (laughs) was me driving there and moving to Montana. Wow. That's pretty crazy. I can't, Dalton Sneed in a uh, Portland state uniform just doesn't, I, I just, I can't even picture it. That's a, that's pretty crazy. That's a crazy story. That's what I hadn't heard before. That's interesting. So you, so yeah, so coach Hawk takes over at Montana. They call you up, they offer you. You've never been there. You probably are looking at the roster going, okay, there's this guy there right now. His name is Gresh Jensen. Just had a pretty dang good year for the Grizz the year before. He's, you know, everybody is thinking he's the starting QB going into that season. So when you you take that offer, you look at the roster, you know what's going on. You've talked to Hawk. You probably trust him. He was your coach before. What was your goal when you came to Missoula? Like, was it just, I mean, I think the obviously the athlete and the competitor in you is like, okay, I'm going for that starting job. But kind of take us through your thought process when you see that there's, a somewhat accomplished quarterback on the roster and kind of thinking what you have to do uh, to get that playing time uh, for the Grizz. Right. Well, to be honest with you, I hadn't even looked at the roster before I committed. Um, so, so I had awesome. no idea. What That's like the biggest leap of faith ever. You're just like, sure, I'm going to Montana. I'm yeah, moving to I, I mean, Montana. I'm, I was sitting down in my parents' bedroom when we watched that Appalachian State game, and we kind of had a little conversation. I said, hey, I think I'm going to Montana. I called Coach Houghton committed, and then, like, two hours later, I'm like, well, yeah, maybe I should check out what my competition's going to look like. Um, <laughs> and and so I, I start kind of digging into it, and I see that he was almost the, the freshman of the year and put up these incredible numbers, and I was kind of – I was like, all right. And and as far as for me, it never it never scared me. It was it was like, okay, let's go. It's competition. I'm, I'm going to go in. I'm going to take that spot. Um, and that's the kind of, I don't want to say chip on my shoulder, but that's kind of the, the, the driving point that when I got there, I wanted to get to work because Montana, I mean, looking back now, Montana is such a, a, a tradition and proud program that when you're an outsider coming in, it's kind of like, Hey, you got to prove yourself. Like nothing's going to get handed to you. Like you, you're not going to come in and on the third workout, you're not going to bring the team up for a break. Like you got to earn it. Um, so that's what I, that's what my mindset was. I'm, I'm going to go in and earn it. I'm going to compete. And all I wanted was a shot. All I want, just an mm-hmm. opportunity to show what I had. Um, and I'm forever in debt and forever grateful to the, the coaching staff there and, and coach Houck and Rosie for, you know, giving me that opportunity to, to show what I got. So like I said, it, it was just me getting up there and wanting to, to compete because that's, Football, I love football, but the only thing I love more than it is competing, no matter what it is. Um, so that's kind of how I approached it. Dude, I mean, it, that's that's so cool. And uh, and you obviously won this competition. You went head-to-head, won the competition for the starting job. And I imagine there's some guys in the locker room who you know, played with Jensen the year before and is like, oh, man, this is kind of awkward. Um, it, uh, what, what was the locker room like? you know, during the competition when you were both there and, and afterwards? Uh, it was, it was kind of tough um, 
for me personally, just because when you're coming somewhere and all the team knows is, hey, we have a freshman quarterback who, who's a baller, you know, and now we have another quarterback coming in to kind of steal a spot from our guy. Because um, Gre- that Gresh was that team's quarterback, and that's what that team knew. Um, so when I came in, it was kind of, yeah, it was a little awkward when um, we'd be out at spring practice and, and Coach Rosie, he told me he did this on purpose, but I didn't know it at the time. He wouldn't tell us, like, hey, Dalton, you're going with the ones, or Gresh, you're going with the ones. He just left it up for grabs. So as oh soon as the opportunity God. presented itself, when they said, hey, ones, I would just jump right in the huddle. And the first time I did it, <laughs> the offensive linemen, the receivers who had all played from last year kind of looked at me like, hey, dude, what the hell are you doing? And I'd call the play and say, all right, ready, break. And we'd break, and it was kind of like, okay, I guess Dalton's going. And that was kind of – it took a little bit it took a little bit for <laughs> the guys to, to realize you know what kind of competitor I was and that all I wanted to do was be part of that team and 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 play quarterback for them and um and gain their trust and, and their friendship and and develop into the Montana Grizzlies quarterback I think that after spring ball, they realized how committed I was and how invested I was into winning um, and how bought in I was that they really started to accept me as a quarterback there. Well, that's that fucking story. hilarious. <laughs> that is, um, that's awesome, though. Like, just thinking about you running yeah. into that, the ones huddle like that, and Gretz just kind of sitting there going, what the hell is this guy? Who the hell does he think he is? That's pretty baller right there, even. <laughs> big time so leap awesome. of faith. That sounds like every step of your way from uh, beginning to choosing Montana to, to the, you know, to earning that starting job um, after, after you earned the job. So, you know, going into the summer, uh, yeah, after, you know, it's announced that Gresh was leaving the program. Uh, did you take any like purposeful steps to help win over the guys that had played under Jensen the, the season before? I think it was just letting them know that I was a team player through and through that, no matter what, I was. I wanted to be there to win. All I all I wanted to do was win at all costs. Um, and once the guys really started to see that side of me, um, and see how bought in I was, that they they accepted me, kind of like I was saying. Man, all right. Well, that is that's a that's a great great story. Um, all right, let's move on to. Uh, Cacris this year, we have to do it, and I'm going to turn it over to Nate, who I'm sure has some shitty question for you <laughs> about the Cacris game this year. Nate, do you want to take this over? Uh, sure, I can. Um, you know, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be that big of a jerk or anything like that. I mean, it's something that's it's so big in Montana, and it's something that we've always wondered how players when they come into that rivalry, and you know, you you had two years to play in that game. Uh, obviously, you hadn't probably done any research on that or looked at it before you got to Montana, considering. You kind of just said yes to Montana, and then that was like your full kind of thrown into the Montana scene um, and Montana, Montana State football. So that first game that you play in uh, in 2018 in Washington Grizzly, can you was that atmosphere just a whole nother level than you had uh, ever played in front of? Yeah, it, it was. It's unlike anything. I mean, just the I don't want to say hatred, but there there is definitely a hatred between between Grizz fans and Cap fans and even the teams. Um, and I really didn't truly understand that until the first drive of when we were playing them. Because when I got in mm-hmm. uh, to Montana, 
I mean, all all Grizz community and and our team, all they ever talked about was, hey, we got to beat the Cats. And coming from the prior schools that I did, they didn't make that big of an emphasis on it. I mean, it was always okay, yeah, we got to beat them, but there wasn't. It wasn't like, hey, we don't lose to these guys. Um, that kind of attitude. So it 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 took me until we were playing them to realize, okay, this is why, so to speak. And so in that, and, and like I said, like Rory said, you hate to do it and hate to talk about it, but that I have to ask that last play of the 2018 game, like I just remember, I'll, I guess I'll never, I'll never forget it as a calf, and I don't think anybody will ever forget it who watched it, played in it, obviously. After that outcome in 2018 with the fumble on the the one or two yard line, can you take us through like after the game, what was said, the the locker room, and kind of did it? Did you want to just get back out there the next day and start? playing football again and prepping for the 2019 season? Absolutely. I think that um, when we were finally as a team up in the locker room, it was just, it was unlike any feeling I've ever felt before. I mean, everybody is kind of speechless, just sitting in their locker, kind of in awe of what had just happened. I mean, you compare mm-hmm. it to the, the Super Bowl game when the Seahawks played the Patriots and there's an interception yep. at the one-yard line. I mean, it's just... Yeah. You, you can't even you can't draw something up like that. You, you don't even think of a situation like that where you're. You, I mean, the play before you you score and then the ref comes out yeah. of the left field blowing whistle that oh they called a timeout and you're like what the hell I thought we just won the game. I mean crowds going wild. You you're the emotions from that play to 30 seconds later. They, there's no higher lower point that I think I'll ever experience in my life. Um, so it is just I think us as a team, a community, a stadium, we're just in awe, kind of in disbelief with what had happened. I don't think I, yeah, I've and, seen that replay. I don't think I'll ever forget. Like, I just, I, I mean, I obviously see the ball go on the ground, the Cats get it, and, and I'm going crazy when I'm watching it the first time. But then as I'm watching those replays and everything, I, I, I honestly, I hone in on you and looking at you, and I can, you can just kind of tell the awe that you're in, the disbelief as you kind of look at the ball and look over the sideline. And uh, there was a little part of me that felt bad. Like there was that little bit of part of me as a cat fan <laughs> that felt bad uh, in that situation. <laughs> um, and I, I couldn't believe it either. So I, I know it's something that you probably hate talking about, but something I really did. I appreciate you giving us kind of your perspective on, uh, on the emotions of that moment. See, and I, I hone in on uh, coach Jeff Choate running out of the coaching box and being down on the four yard line, calling that timeout. I want to ask you a question about Jeff Choate, Bobcat's coach. <laughs> Grizz Slayer, as as they say. On a scale of 9 to 10, 9 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, how big of a dork is Jeff Choate? And before you answer, I just want to give you some context. Jeff Choate blocked Montana Mint Sports on Twitter because we tweeted out, Jeff Choate seems like a guy that drinks IPAs even though he doesn't like the taste of IPAs. So why don't you just give us your thoughts on Jeff Choate? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know him very well i don't think i've ever i think the only words i've ever spoken to him uh is actually positive uh we were at the the big sky kickoff over in spokane and he came up to me and just kind of shook my hand and told me that he appreciated how hard i played and um kind of that but it was just other than that we've never had a uh uh solid conversation so i always get angered uh, and it kind of rubs me the wrong way when I'm seeing him, you know, hold up the three or the four, celebrating on our field. It's, I mean, it's any player would feel that way. 
Um, so it's nothing negative against him. It's just the animosity I feel towards <laughs> the Bobcats as a whole. Yeah, I'll speak for it. He's a he's a huge warranted. Dork. We don't we don't like him. We don't like him. Warranted here. animosity. <laughs> I love him. Um, I love him. So I, that's just me though. I, I do. So we've talked a lot about kind of the the Grizz fan base, the Montana fan bases. You know what great fan bases they are and how they get up for games. I, I always wonder from a player's perspective. Uh, if that is can sometimes be a negative or a frustration because, uh, you know, with the pros, you get these great stadiums and people coming out and supporting you. But the cons I'd have to imagine are that people take it way too seriously, myself in, included. Um, you know, like, for example, I rooted for you all year. This is one of the best great seasons we've ever had. And had an awesome deep playoff run. But after that, Weber stake him. It's like, God, fuck you, Dalton Sneed. And I, I don't mean it because... Like you did, you brought so much joy to the Grizz fan base this year, but in the moment, like, you know, 35 year old guys just take this way too seriously. Do you ever just want to look at fans and be like, we guys just cool it for one second and put this in perspective? It, yeah, it's, it's funny you say that, but Coach Halk made a great point. Because, um, I mean, we had a great relationship. And one thing that always kind of stuck with me is that you'd rather play somewhere where people care than somewhere where people don't. Um, that's a good point. So that's kind of how I've always taken it, and and I 100% agree with that any day of the week. I mean, the good's going to come with the bad, um, and I mean, you should have you should have seen my my social uh, media inboxes and, oh my and God. stuff like that after. Yeah, there's hundreds of kind of fus and you're the worst quarterback and don't ever play football again kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, it, 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 it is what it is. I mean, once you get into high level of competition and, and places where a lot of people care and, and stuff like that, you're going to have people who are stick with you through the good and bad and, and people who kind of take it out on you the wrong way when you, when you don't have a good game. Um, so as far as, I mean, for coaches in the NFL, players in the NFL and, and these, these schools uh, in college football that do have fan bases like that, it's just, it is what it is. It's it's going to happen. You got to kind of you got to take the good and, and block out the bad because there's always going to be negative. There's always going to be the the hatred towards you um, when you have a bad game, and you kind of just got to block it out. I mean, ninety nine percent of those people don't know what the hell they're talking about anyway, and 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 think that they know everything sitting behind a keyboard. Yeah. So awesome, you yeah. know. It like I said, it, it is <laughs> what it is, and you just kind of got to move on from it. And can I ask Sometimes you about my, my not, yeah. It's, let me let me just make this one last point on, on here. Sometimes my wife will take a picture of me like rooting for one of my teams, watching it on TV, and then text it to me, and I realize what an idiot I look like for for getting so into a game. So point taken. Nate, sorry to interrupt. Uh, what were you going to no, say? That's good. No, no, I was just thinking about. So you guys, uh, I wouldn't say had the opportunity, but you guys had to play Weber State twice this year. A, a, a very good team, a team that made the. Uh, the semifinals uh, in the in the FCS playoffs. They were number three at the time when they came to U of M. You guys knocked them off 35-16. It was a thorough ass-kicking. It was the game before Cat Grizz, and I remember I was at the UC Davis game, uh, and I was checking the scores on my phone, and I was like, holy cow, the Grizz are for real. They just killed Weber State. Um, and then you, you know, obviously in that last game uh, of the playoffs, uh, a little bit of a different outcome. What was – is there something about playing a team twice – in a season that's just they've seen you now they can game plan for you or are they showing you some looks in that second game that you just didn't they didn't show you in that first one yes absolutely and 
two, they jump off the table right away, or two of my interceptions on inside slant routes where they dropped a, a backside linebacker from the opposite side who they showed a look through all of our, our film study where he's blitzing. So I'm pre-snap, I'm thinking, okay, I've got this inside slant on the opposite side, and on the snap, that backer would, would haul ass straight over that other slant, and I didn't even see him. Um, and they got me twice on it. So, I mean, that's just kind of that's the schematics of the game that kind of come into playing a team twice mm-hmm. is what it kind of comes down to. Uh, and those playoff games, when you get deep in that season, or, or for that matter, any any big game, comes down to two or three plays. And, and ours, of course, did. Um, and, I mean, shoot, if, if there would have been another five minutes on the clock, I probably would have thrown six interceptions at the rate I was at. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was out there slinging around just trying to trying to get a win. So, you know, it's, it's as much as I hate to say, it's, it's hats off to the Weber State defense and, and their coaching staff for, you know, switching up looks and stuff and um, flat out just kind of uh, beating us. And I'm not going to even get into the weather, but, of course, that – just going to ask you, it looked like that, looked horrible on ESPN. Yeah, it was the weather. It, I wouldn't have minded if it was from my point of view. I would not have minded if it was snowing the entire time, but it was it was wet snow. So when I would get tackled or sacked, I'd go to dry my hands off on my towel, and my towel was like you just dipped it in a pool. So the ball oh was like throwing a uh, throwing a a ball that's just Vaseline covered almost. So, and, and that's not me making excuses or anything. So it, I'm all own up to every play that I made that game. Um, but, yeah, looking back, do I wish it would have turned out differently? Absolutely. But, again, it's it's hats off to that Weber State team just executing better than we did that day. Mm-hmm. All right, man, I got uh, two last questions. Thanks for spending so much time with us. Um, two last questions. Nate, do you have any, any last questions before I get to mine? Uh, no, I don't. Uh I, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I mean, just your candor when you're talking about the, I mean, I probably brought up two of the, two of your least favorite games of your whole football career. And you, you answered those pretty good. And I wasn't doing it to be an asshole, but I was genuinely, genuinely in, you know, intrigued by kind of what goes through your mind and, and, and those experiences. So, you know, I know that, you know, Bertha and I, we really appreciate just that the honesty and uh, kind of taking us inside your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's not not a lot to ask about when you just absolutely dick nail a team like UC Davis or Weber State or these other awesome games that you had all year and truly a great season. But I want to add uh, I have two questions kind of looking uh, forward, uh, uh, going forward here, at Dalton. Uh, so it's currently recording this uh, February 2020. Um, ten months from now, my first question, ten months from now, what will we be saying about the state of the Montana Grizzly football program 10 months from today? That's a great question. Well, I'm hoping you're saying, man, we, we really expected this because I think just with Coach Houck and, and the, the team he is building, I think people are going to be really shocked. And if this wasn't kind of a wake-up this year, I think next year for sure will be. Um, and and I wish more than anything I could suit up as a Grizz again, but I think that they're going to have an absolute stellar year, and I think that they're going to make a, a deeper run in the playoffs than we did this past year, and I think that a lot of people are going to be surprised um, with how the Grizzlies do next year. 
That's awesome. And last last question I have for you: A year from now, February twenty twenty one, where is Dalton Sneed going to be? I hope he's in California training on a beach, uh, <laughs> signing with a with a signed NFL contract with the team. Um, and for me, I don't care what team that is, where that team's located. I just want to play ball. Um, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And I, I hope I get to fulfill my dream of, of playing in the NFL. That's all I've ever dreamed about since the day I put a helmet on. Um, so a year from now, I, I hope that's exactly, if we have the same conversation, I hope that's exactly where I'm sitting is, is playing ball um, and, and loving life every bit of the way. Would it be the craziest full circle thing if you signed with the Raiders and you're back in Las Vegas? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I would take it in a heartbeat. Any team, oh, for sure. anywhere. Let me put a helmet on and go. I'm I'm there. Well, we're definitely rooting for you, man. This is really fun and uh, you know, we wish we wish you nothing but the best. Even even as a cat fan, I'm bred and you know, I was born and bred to hate Grizzlies and Grizz football players, but man, it's been a blast talking to you. And we we definitely be backing you the whole way and, and we just wish the best for you. Well, I really appreciate that, guys, and it's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you guys so much for having me on. <laughs> <laughs>